Chapter Fourteen of the Roots of the Mountains by William Morris. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Concerning Face of God and the Mountain. But it must be told of Goldmane that what had befallen him was in this wise. His skid strap brake in good sooth, and he stayed to mend it, but when he had done what was needful, he looked up and saw no man nigh. What for the drift? and that they had gone on somewhat. So he rose to his feet, and without more delay, instead of keeping on toward the elk-ground, and the way his face had been set, he turned himself north and by east, and went his ways swiftly towards that eirt, because he deemed that it might lead him to the mountain hall where he had guested. He abode not for the storm to clear, but swept off through the thick of it, and indeed the wind was somewhat at his back, so that he went the swiftlier. But when the drift was gotten to its very worst, he sheltered himself for a little in a hollow behind a thorn-bush he stumbled upon. As soon as it began to abate, he went on again, and at last, when it was quite clear, and the sun shone out, he found himself on a long slope of the fells, covered deep with smooth white snow, and at the higher end, a great crag rising bare fifty feet above the snow, and more rocks, but none so great, and broken ground as he judged, the snow being deep about it on the hither side, and on the further three great pine-trees, all bent down and mingled together by their load of snow. Thitherward he made as a man might, seeing nothing else to note before him, but he had not made many strides, when forth from behind the crag by the pine-trees came a man, and at first face of God thought it might be one of his hunting-fellows gone astray, and he hailed him in a loud voice. But as he looked, he saw the sun flash back from a bright helm on the newcomer's head. Albeit he kept on his way, till there was but a space of two hundred yards between them, when, lo, the helm-bearer notched a shaft to his bent bow, and loosed at face of God, and the arrow came whistling, and passed six inches by his right ear. Then face of God stopped, perplexed with his case, for he was on the deep snow in his skids with his bow unbent, and he knew not how to bend it speedily. He was loath to turn his back and flee, and indeed he scarce deemed that it would help him. Meanwhile, of his tarrying, the archer loosed again at him, and this time the shaft flew close to his left ear. Then face of God thought to cast himself down into the snow, but he was ashamed till there came a third shaft which flew over his head, amidmost and close to it. "'Good shooting on the mountain,' muttered he. "'The next shaft will be amidst my breast, and who knows whether the alderman's handiwork will keep it out.' So he cried aloud, "'Thou shootest well, brother, but art thou a foe? If thou art, I have a sword by my side, and so hast thou. Come hither to me, and let us fight it out, friendly, if we must needs fight.' A laugh came down the wind to him, clear but somewhat shrill, and the archer came swiftly towards him on his skids, with no weapon in his hand save his bow, so that face of God did not draw his sword, but stood wondering. As they drew nearer, he beheld the face of the newcomer, and deemed that he had seen it before, and soon, for all that it was hooded close by the ill-weather raiment, he perceived it to be the face of Bowmay, ruddy and smiling. She laughed out loud again, as she stopped herself within three feet of him, and said, "'Yea, friend Yellowhair, 
we heard of the elks and looked to see thee hereabouts and i knew thee at once when i came out from behind the crag and saw thee stand bewildered said goldmane hail to thee Beaumay, and glad am i to see thee but thou liest in saying that thou knewest me else why didst thou shoot those three shafts at me surely thou art not so quick as that with all thy friends these be sharp greetings of you mountain folk thou lad with the sweet mouth she said i like to see thee and hear thee talk but now must i hasten thy departure so stand we here no longer let us get down into the wood where we can do off our skids and sit down and then will i tell thee the tidings come on and she caught his hand in hers and they went speedily down the slopes toward the great oak wood the wind whistling past their ears whither are we going said he said she i am to show thee the way back home which thou wilt not know surely amidst this snow come no words thou shalt not have my tale for me till we are in the wood so the sooner we are there the sooner shalt thou be pleased so face of god held his peace and they went on swiftly side by side but it was not Beaumay's wont to be silent for long so presently she said thou art good to do as i bid thee but see thou sweet playmate for all thou art a chieftain's son thou wert but feather-brain to ask me why i shot at thee i shoot at thee that were a fine tale to tell her this even or dost thou think that i could shoot at a big man on the snow at two hundred paces and miss him three times unless i aim to miss yea Beaumay, said he art thou so deaf to Beaumay? thou shalt be in my company when so i fare to battle indeed she said therein thou sayest but the bare truth nowhere else shall i be and thou shalt find my bow no worse than a good shield he laughed somewhat lightly but she looked on him soberly and said laugh in that fashion on the day of battle and we shall be very well content with thee so on they sped very swiftly for their way was mostly downhill so that they were soon amongst the outskirting trees of the wood and presently after reached the edge of the thicket beyond which the ground was but thinly covered with snow there they took off their skids and went into the thick wood and sat down under a hornbeam tree and ere goldmain could open his mouth to speak Beaumay began and said well it was that i fell in with thee dalesman else had there been murders of men to tell of but ever she ordereth all things wisely though unwisely hast thou done to seek her hearken dost thou think that thou hast done well that thou hast me here with my tale well hast thou busied thyself with the slaying of elks and with sitting quietly at home yet shouldst thou have heard my tale and thou shouldst have seen me in burgstead in a day or two to tell thee concerning the flitting of the token and ill it is that i have missed it for fain had i been to behold the house of the face and to have seen thee sitting there in thy dignity amidst the kindred of chieftains and she sighed therewith but he said hold up thine heart Beaumay. on the word of a true man that shall befall thee one day but come playmate give me my tale yes she said i must now tell thee in the wild wood what else i had told thee in the hall hearken closely for this is the message seek not to me again till thou hast the token else assuredly wilt thou be slain and i shall be sorry for many a day thereof as now i may not tell thee more now as to the token when march is worn two weeks fail not to go to and fro on the place of the maiden ward 
for an hour before sunrise every day till thou bear tidings now quoth borme hast thou hearkened and understood yea said he she said then tell me the words of my message concerning the token and he did so word for word then she said it is well there's no more to say now must i lead thee till thou knowest the wood and then mayst thou get on to the smooth snow again and so home merrily yet thou grey-eyed fellow i will have my pay of thee before i do that last work therewith she turned about to him and took his head between her hands and kissed him well favouredly both cheeks and mouth and she laughed albeit the tears stood in her eyes as she said now smelleth the wood sweeter and summer will come back again and even thus will i do once more when we stand side by side in battle array he smiled kindly on her and nodded as they both rose up from the earth she had taken off her foul weather gloves while they spake and he kissed her hand which was shapely of fashion albeit somewhat brown and hard of palm and he said in a friendly wise thou art a merry faring fellow beaumay and belike shall be withal a true fighting fellow come now thou shalt be my sister and i thy brother in despite of those three shafts across the snow he laughed therewith she laughed not but seemed glad and said soberly yes i may well be thy sister for belike i also am of the people of the gods who have come into these dales by many far ways i am of the house of the ragged sword of the kindred of the wolf come brother let us walk toward wild lake's way therewith she went before him and led through the thicket by an assured and wanted path and he followed hard at heel but his thought went from her for a while for those words of brother and sister that he had spoken called to his mind the bride and their kindness of little children and the days when they seemed to have naught to do but to make the sun brighter and the flowers fairer and the grass greener and the birds happier each for the other and a hard and evil thing it seemed to him that now he should be making all these things naught and dreary to her now when he had become a man and deeds lay before him yet again was he solaced by what beaumay had said concerning battle to come for he deemed that she must have had this from the friend's foreseeing and he longed sore for deeds to do wherein all these things might be cleared up and washen clean as it were so passed they through the wood a long way and it was getting dark therein and goldmain said hold now beaumay for i am at home here she looked around and said yes so it is i was thinking of many things farewell and live merrily till march comes and the token therewith she turned and went her ways and was soon out of sight and he went lightly through the wood and then on skids over the hard snow along the dale's edge till he was come to the watch-tower when the moon was bright in heaven thus was he at burgstead and the house of the face betimes and before the hunters were gotten back end of chapter fourteen